International. Welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Royce. With me, as always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. Hey, Pat. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I'm, I'm running into the studio, uh, like as I said, uh, under the thumb of the evils of capitalism today. They, yeah. Uh, they fired a guy at my work and then... Uh, gave me his workload and did not increase my pay, and uh, and, and then like I, because I work fast anyways, it's not like I'm getting more hours. So just no, you're just good at your job, so they reward you with more work. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is my girlfriend who has much more experience in the restaurant industry than me. When I took this job, I one day I was like, man, I'm about to knock all this shit out da, 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 via text. I did everything all fast, and then after I got done, I looked at my messages, and she was like, hey, don't do that fast. Or they're just gonna give you. More more shit to do and like yeah as i Relax, was putting, Pat. yeah as i was putting my phone back in my pocket they were just like hey man if that's something you could take care of every day that make things a lot easier i was like damn she's <laughs> smart <laughs> she knew yeah so yeah that's what was going on with me today so um yeah but i'm here uh i'm ready you made it that's yeah. what's important and, and this is this is uh uh one of my favorite things a cath episode because i don't have to read anything and hell yeah i'm going in i'm going in blind i'm going in uh raw dogging is the actual industry term i have no clue <laughs> what the topic's going to be about so uh you may have heard of this one so i do want to uh forgive me everyone i'm a little sick today i'm yes. not feeling well um uh, Kath is also i can't laugh or i will start coughing um so pat I i'm sure you're gonna be very funny <laughs> but i can't give you much encouragement okay because every time i laugh it becomes a terrible coughing uh, you know what so, I, I have been there as recently as last week so yeah 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 you had like the flu last week and somehow you transmitted it to me i guess because <laughs> <Yeah>. i'm <laughs> i'm dying i'm not doing well yeah, I, I, I went i made a terrible decision last night and i my friend had a free ticket to Raw 25 at Barclays Center. Oh, yeah. Um, so I went to that and I was like, I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to cheer. And then I did. And now I have no voice. Oh, so man. I apologize to everyone. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's yeah. not going great. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know what I, I've I've noted. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and this time of the year, it's starting. Like my 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 but the soothe voice dinguses that bring me all my true crime stories are a little. Uh, yeah, everybody is horrid. Yeah, a little raspier. Yeah. Well, it's like you said in New York too. It's America's doorknob. <laughs> yes, um, it's disgusting <laughs> here. I've been sick. Like. I think I think I've been getting sick like once a month this winter, and my roommate keeps reassuring me. She's like, everyone get everyone is constantly sick their first winter in New York. Like it's just <laughs> you have to build up your like disgusting city immunity, and yeah. then you're okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm having trouble. I can do this from home, but I'm supposed to record my other podcast later, and I might have to cancel because I feel real shitty. Oh. But this is a good episode. I I'm really excited about the story we're doing today. So this story, um. And actually, I'd read about it a little bit, but it was suggested 
long ago by a friend of the show, very funny comedian, Ella Gale, suggested that we do this one. Okay. And um, it's it's a it's about a wine forager. Do you know this story? I, I remember her suggesting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, it's a, a wonderful tale. Um, most of my... Pretty much everything I'm going to read comes from a Vanity Fair article about it. Um, but there's also a really good documentary on Netflix called Sour Grapes about this guy. Okay. So, yeah, classic, good pun. Name, yeah, yeah, good, you know. good pun. A pun is the solid foundation for comedy. You can look that up anywhere. So For I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's let's set the scene a little bit. Okay. Let's let's start in media res here. Let's let's go for it. So. The, the article, Vanity Fair article begins, on the evening of April 25th, 2008, the wine auction house Acker, Merrill, and Condit held a sale at a New York restaurant called Crew. In contrast to the tedium of most wine auctions, Acker sales were bacchanals. They were normally held in restaurants, and many extravagant wines would be uncorked and consumed during the course of the auctions. So they're having a big, big wine party. Yeah, everybody's getting liquored up. That's okay. Everyone's getting liquored up because they're all super rich and like the type of rich where you were collecting wine as a hobby and not yeah, just yeah. a means to get drunk. Yeah, man, I I love just, I, I, I say love, I've never experienced like this, the idea like when I'm out drinking, every drink that I get, I gotta be mindful. I'm like, all right, that's uh, that's, that's placed me $3 under the limit here. You know, like, I gotta like think right, of right. where, yeah, that's like a constant pressure just to have no pressure. You're just like, hey, I'm just gonna get shit-faced and wake up tomorrow and still be richer than 98% of the population. They're selling wine, they're selling so much wine for so much money that everybody's drinking for free while they buy the wine. Oh, That's man. how rich they are. That's so tight. Shout out to rich people killing it since time <laughs> immemorial. <laughs> they're very good at it. Yeah. So, so they're having this big crazy wine party. Um, it's a huge auction. They're they're setting record prices for for wine sales here there says wine helped lubricate the flow of money early in the auction at crew two bottles of 1959 dom perignon rosé that had once belonged to the shah of iran which is wow. pretty funny because uh you're not supposed to drink if you're muslim but yeah, whatever yeah. <laughs> um, it's a little different they, if you're the shah you can <laughs> <laughs> so they sold for forty two thousand dollars and Forty two thousand three hundred and fifty dollars a piece, Shut which set a new record up. price for champagne. Yeah, that's more than I've ever made in a year <laughs> for one bottle of champ of rosé. Holy Christ! Oh man, ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah, so I, I love that. I just really hope somebody bought that and couldn't actually afford it. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like, oh shit, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> So later on in the auction, uh, the wine company, the auction wine auction company's president, John Capon, was to sell a collection of wines consigned by a friend of his, a guy named Rudy Kurniawan, who is a 31 year old Indonesian man who lived in Los Angeles. Rudy Kurniawan had started. Rudy, sorry. <laughs> Kurniawan had started buying massive quantities of wines around 2003. At one point, he was reportedly spending $1 million on wine a month. What the bitch? $1 million of wine a month. What are you doing? <laughs> that's, oh, that's so Well, here's crazy. what he was doing. He was also selling a lot of this wine. So oh, he okay. yeah, that makes sense. Was, he had sold uh, about $35 million in wine during this period. Jesus and for this auction, which he had flown in from L.A. to attend, he was putting up 268 bottles of three esteemed Burgundy producers. I'm not going to pronounce them all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's Armand Rousseau, 
George Rumiere and Domaine Ponsat. I'm butchering those. Yeah. Domaine Ponsat is going to come up again. So I, I, where do those stand in relation to like other um, established wine houses, such as like a uh, a Mad Dog Twenty Twenty, or perhaps <laughs> an Arbor Mist? <laughs> like, <where? laughs> I mean, some would put them in a similar class, but uh, yeah. you know, it all depends on your palate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, it really does. I mean, I don't know where the what region mad dog is from yeah. but you know i just found out via meme uh mad dog 2020 md 2020 the md stands for mogan david which is the name of the company i saw that it yeah. doesn't stand for mad dog yeah it does not stand for mad which i literally Shocking. thought it did i thought that i just grew up in a time where they thought it was more prudent to leave mad dog off the label that's why it said <laughs> md i literally was like oh it was man. just our pc society yeah, is what yeah, it was. yeah ruining my fucking profane wine labels you know <laughs> our parents were out here saying mad dog you know, just living it up, buying houses at 18. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Shortly. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm distracted. I'm distracted by my, my story. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good joke. Again, I can't yeah. laugh. Yeah, it's yeah. my problem. Yeah. America, you better be filling in those fucking laughs, baby. <laughs> yeah. This is your job today. Yeah. Papa needs the chuckles. <laughs> Papa needs the chuckles. Send him this way. Okay, now I lost my place. So keep talking about Mad Dog. Yeah, uh, Mad Dog 2020, man. I tell you, I I, I thought it was... I, actually, I always hated it. Uh, my friend Turtle... Okay, I, I found okay. my place. But before I go on, what's your favorite Boone's Farm flavor? I don't actually have a Boone's... You're not a Boone's man? No, actually, if I if I drink wines, I like Merlot. Uh, if, I drink, if I drink wines, I like Merlot. I used to think uh, that meant I like a dry wine, and I found out it was a fruity wine, so I was like, oh, I'm low class. <laughs> I, I get it. But I, I, I was explaining... I like, um, I like cabs, and I like... Um, uh, I like Italian wines. I like Nero Davola is a good one. Um, it's kind of like... Pinot Noir, but cheaper. Yeah. So that's what I recommend. Yeah. I, I, I don't know anything about wine. Yeah. I like, I like Merlot and I like Cab Savs. Yeah. Cause that's uh yeah. I like yeah. cabs. Um, I like Malbec's a lot. Malbec's are good. I like reds. Yeah. I, yeah. Generally. Yeah. I like reds. I'm not a big, not a big white wine fan. Uh, I don't really like anything cold that you would chill or anything like that. Yeah. Know? No, me neither. Uh, um, it, it's interesting like so pretty much this whole story is about burgundy wines which i've never had because they're expensive yeah, yeah yeah but they're supposed to be like the best reds so and all these people are like niche burgundy collectors so um so this auction's happening um shortly after the auction begins this guy so this guy rudy's gonna auction off some wine Shortly after the auction began, a man named Laurent Ponsat, the proprietor of Domaine Ponsat, that famous Burgundy producer, certainly shows up at the auction. So he was not expected to be there, but he showed up. He traveled to New York from France to stop the sale of Rudy's Burgundy wines from his vineyard. So oh, he goes no. to stop the sale. Very dramatic. Yeah. Especially because everyone's drunk. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you when you like you're at a wedding and it's like if anyone knows why these two should not be and door flies open, it's Dustin Hoffman. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. So he comes, he he says, stop the sale. He believes that they're counterfeits is the problem. Ooh. So he thinks that they're fake. So the reason for this is because it, the consignment included a bottle of uh, a 1929 Domaine Ponsat that said it was from this one vineyard, Claude de la Roche, which uh, 
this burgundy manufacturer didn't even own that vineyard in 1929 so they were like this can't be real this is we didn't produce wine from Clos de la Roche until 1934 this is fake so he stops the sale um the Capon, the, the guy who owns the auction company, he announces to the audience that all of the bottles had been withdrawn from sale. Um, there's, you know, whispers. People are shocked. Yeah. Um, this guy, this Domaine de Ponsat owner, he's pissed. So outraged by what he regarded as the theft of his family name and an assault on its winemaking heritage, Laurent Ponsat left crew that night determined to find out where the phony bottles had come from. His quest for answers became a four-year crusade that would take him all around the world and ultimately to a meeting with the FBI. So this gets... This gets big. Yeah. I, I like to imagine that he knew it was fake wine being sold because he has such a sophisticated palate that he just shot up in bed one day and smelled fake <laughs> wine like in another country. A like, whiff of it from yeah. across the country. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> That's swill. And he just. They oh, need yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, And he just take off. Puts on it. He just he just like gets uh he like puts on his superhero outfit but then he just like chugs a bottle of wine <laughs> Hell yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like his spinach yeah. his popeye Man, makes him uh, strong younger much cooler me one time when i first moved to austin uh our neighbors were having a big ass party and i fucking stumbled into their house with uh uh, a bunch of beer and then also just an open bottle of the big bottles of wine like the larger ones <laughs> yeah I, yeah i just came in and i was like it was me and my friend justin i was like hey i'm your neighbor and i have wine and beer and i just walked around drinking wine out of the bottle of this party just man just you fucking it. scumbag yeah, i'm a fucking piece <laughs> of did shit. they like it Do oh they, they liked it and they loved me and they, yeah. were, they were two gay dudes you're uh, a friendly guy yeah 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 i got there were two gay dudes and they had a treasure trove of attractive women that were hanging out with them so that's awesome we had a blast yeah it was just a fun ass <laughs> night i was just in there just just cutting a rug and drinking wine from the bottle <laughs> i'm just imagining you with like a wine stained wife beater just like hey everybody <laughs> yeah in like basketball shorts yeah yeah and like adidas slides like yeah. just like a house outfit it's like oh, hey yeah. everybody yeah that was, yeah I, was like, I live next door no need to fucking put on real clothing you know no 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 this is my house now too yeah <laughs> i just conquered this place this is it <laughs> so i'm gonna go into a little bit of the history of, of wine counterfeiting in this in this culture so okay. it, this wasn't really that big of an issue until um like maybe 10 or 15 years ago so which is sort of surprising because it's it's been a big market for a while but the market has gotten a lot bigger and it's caused all these problems yeah. so the issue of fake wines broke into the headlines a few years ago with us with the so-called thomas jefferson bottles which were a clutch of old bordeaux that a german collector claimed had belonged to thomas jefferson so bill coke who is the brother of charles and david coke the coke brother oh, yeah evil rich asshole yeah, yeah. um he bought these bottles in the 80s and then in 2005 he learned that they were fake and he sued the german guy who sold them to him so i i I don't have like i couldn't hold on to a bottle of booze for fucking 20 minutes let alone 20 (laughs) years like come on like oh that's yeah i guess it's just it's a different reason to buy it but like if i had suspected that if i bought wine in the 80s and it turns out i've been fake i would have to be like huh did it taste fake because i definitely drank yeah (laughs) I, I drank it and I don't remember because I drank yeah, it. So I definitely got drunk. I know that <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It did the job. Yeah. <laughs> but I also just like, like 
this is such a rich guy problem like yeah he, oh, and he for has sure. the, he has the money to sue him and he like he goes on this multi-million dollar campaign to like stop wine counterfeiting and it's like cool this affects people who like are not going to be that damaged by it but like <laughs> yeah. that's who has the money to do things like that like yeah you know, we could stop payday loan services or something if we really want to worry about ripping people off. But yeah, no, yeah, no I don't, yeah. wine forgers. Yeah, yeah fucking yeah. If if like if you have a problem, imagine you sitting at a bar telling a regular like a regular person this problem. If they, if if you don't feel like it's going to relate or hit with them, it may not be that big of a problem. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hard to identify with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, beginning in the early 2000s, demand and prices for the rarest wines shot up rapidly, as did the potential payoff from selling fakes. So, as I said, this is when it started to get bad. So, in 2000, wine auctions worldwide grossed $92 million, but by uh, like 2015-2016, that figure had quintupled to $478 million. So, wow. there was a buying frenzy driven in large part by young collectors in the United States. In contrast to the more buttoned-down Thurston Howell types who once dominated the auction scene, these new players were distinguished by their insatiable acquis- acquisitiveness and eagerness to flaunt their trophy bottles. So, basically, all these sort of like waspy, stiff upper lip guys are being pushed out by like rich party boys basically (laughs) who just want to drink and 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 show off and and have a good time yeah 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 the nerve of those fucking rascallions (laughs) like yeah like you take yeah you gotta try really hard to make me side with bros but i'm siding with the bros on this one (laughs) like yeah 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 you're on team party boys yeah i'm on team party boys so get at me in the comments yeah, it is really like a heel heel issue. Yeah, like you really yeah. it's hard to find a good side. Yeah. But at least the party boys know how to have fun. So. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. I'm always uh, uh, you know, upending the establishment. That's uh, uh, what I built a lot of my character around. So. <laughs> so, it says no one moved the market more than Rudy Kurniawan, the tw- the 20-something West Coast collector. Yeah. So, he first surfaced on the wine scene in the early 2000s. He was reportedly the scion of a wealthy ethnic Chinese family from Indonesia. Um, in 2006, he explained to the LA Times that uh, Kurniawan was an Indonesian surname his late father had given him to protect his identity. So he's basically saying he's using an alias. Yeah. Um, his family has business interests in Indonesia and China. He didn't want to say what they did. So he's just sort of like a vaguely wealthy dude who likes wine and who is willing to bid more than anybody else for yeah. stuff. And I say, so, leave him alone. You know, just let, <laughs> let, let that eagle fly. So he started collecting California wines, but he eventually got interested in Burgundies, and that's uh, when where the prices really started to go up. So here's where you might not side with the party boys. Okay, they're talking about uh, the three exclusive Los Angeles tasting groups he joined, which are like secret rich guy wine parties. Yeah, they are called one the Berg Horse. Uh. One word. <laughs> Okay. Deaf, dumb, and blind. That's one. Ah. <laughs> and the third one is titled The Royal Order of the Purple Palette. Okay. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I don't have a dog in this fight anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like if I had to pick one, I'd join Deaf, Dumb, and Blind. Like, yeah, that yeah. sounds like they probably have fun. The, yeah, they they seem a little, yeah, a little, little more my little more of my speed. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's a, Deaf, Dumb, and Blind. I wonder if that's like in like... 
reference to something about wine tasting or palate no, no pr- i don't know <laughs> I don't, yeah i don't know i don't have the maybe cla- yeah like you you don't look at the label or whatever you just taste it deaf dumb and blind yeah I don't yeah, know. yeah yeah or maybe but they just, clearly care about the label yeah so or maybe me. they're just like no chad and me just think it's funny when people have disabilities <laughs> 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 that just always kind of tickles us so it says you needed a fat bank account and a deep cellar to drink with this crowd. And Kurnia one who wore custom made Hermes suits and owned a Ferrari and a Bentley seemed to have both. He became known for his remarkable generosity. According to Acker president, John Capon, he and Kurnia one met at a wine dinner in Los Angeles in October, 2004. They and some acquaintances went on a four day binge at crew that became an emblematic moment for the brash new wine culture that had taken hold. By the end of the last evening, the group had consumed a murder, row of legendary wines and racked up a total tab that one participant said was more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars jesus christ four days of drinking <laughs> a quarter of a million dollars i tell you you know what i i can i can drink for four days on a lot less baby like that's it. yeah i could drink for four days on 60 bucks yeah like i'd be i'd do it yeah yeah, yeah i'd be fine happen. yeah Kurnia one paid for the whole thing with his American Express black card. He also made a curious request of crew staff. He asked that the restaurant send him all of the empty bottles. He made the same request on subsequent visits to crew. And between 2004 and 2006, the restaurant sent him box after box of empty wine bottles. Oh, shit. So just remember that. Yeah. Just remember that. Oh, With man. his soft, round features framed by gelled black hair, Kurniwan barely looked to be of drinking age, but he was now the world's most prodigious wine collector, spending millions of dollars at auctions. In 2006, having helped push prices to vertiginous heights, Kurniwan began selling enormous quantities of wine. So I, this is really interesting to me, is that he helped build up the market by overbidding so that he could then sell for crazy amounts of money because he'd driven up the price himself yeah yeah which is so interesting yeah it's like uh it's somewhat uh i mean comparable to like uh kenneth lay of enron he was he, he yeah. deregulated the natural gas industry while an elected official or an appointed an appointed yeah. by elected official and then he dove into that business to play in the playground that he had created kind of you know yeah 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 just yeah. falsely driving up demand and then flooding with supply <laughs> yeah. good strategy yeah so uh, Acromero held an auction of Kurniawan's wines that was billed as, quote, The Cellar, capital C, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were 1,700 bottles of wine sold that weekend. It brought in $10.6 million. Jesus Christ. Uh, they had another one, another big sale in October of that year. It brought in $24.7 million, which was the new record for most money for an auction of wines owned by a single individual by like a lot i i had a we we had i do a monthly show with uh my fellow vanilla Presley member lane crayrup uh called the kickbutt comedy showcase come check it out uh we had a record-breaking sales uh sales and attendance on the last one it was really really tight and awesome. we walked out of there with a percentage point of a percentage point of that it's just kind of like, it's just, yeah uh, yeah it's just very funny and you're like we're fucking rich man yeah yeah i was like oh shit <laughs> and like yeah that's that's a, that's so that's crazy man I, that's uh that, that much money around that is just insane yeah it's it's hard to conceptualize let al- like that much money in general is hard to conceptualize yeah. let alone having that be your wine budget yeah yeah it's crazy <laughs> so um 
there's a lot going on with these burgundy wines. So it, it really, it uses two main grapes. There's Pinot Noir grapes for red, Chardonnay for whites. They're, but they have to be grown in this region of Burgundy to be considered Burgundy wine. Sorry, yeah. So there's a four-tier hierarchy of vineyards. Ownership of vineyards is divided among multiple wineries, multiple wineries bearing the same family names. There's like a lot of times like very weird labeling conventions because these are like super old family businesses. Um, they had a bunch of bad years in the 70s and 80s. And so like, people kind of stopped paying attention to Burgundy wines for a while and uh, Bordeaux became more popular. So this is kind of a new thing in the two thousands that Burgundy was like sort of coming back into Providence. Yeah. So he was like the main Burgundy guy and he was mostly interested in wines from the 1960s and before. So it just is an example of the price inflation in 1996, a bottle of 1962 Latache, which is a type of Burgundy, could be bought for around $400. By 2006, that same bottle was selling for $13,000. So this is a multi-time, multi-fold price increase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, if I was at around one of those parties, I would just a- ask everybody, so uh, have you seen Sideways? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I'd just be like, so when are you going to open that? Are you saving it? What's going on? (laughs) I want to try one of these. I want to see if they're better than like, you know, your, your $20. Yeah. Like date bottle of wine that you buy at central market, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, me and me and Priscilla, uh, we, we had, um, for a while we were on we were on a wine kick. I'd say for like a, like a year, uh, we would like and we would just buy like I think the most I ever dropped. I think I, I dropped like forty some odd dollars on a bottle of wine once, and that was I was like, what the fuck are you doing with your life, dude? <laughs> like I was like I was mad at myself, yeah. but it was good. It was it was really really good. We really liked it. But I I have found that like after like twenty bucks, it's like I don't know. It's like if I I, I can taste the difference between the twenty dollar bottle and the seven dollar bottle for sure. Yeah. But like I think after the twenty, I'm just like I don't give a shit at that point. <laughs> like my dad is like my dad really likes wine and he's like kind of into it and he's basically like you can like you can get a very very good bottle of wine for like 15 20 bucks yeah it's not really worth spending unless you're then going up to like 75 like you know what i mean like if you're buying anything over 20 you want it to be like really nice because anything that's sort of like mid-market is not going to be that much better yeah yeah yeah, that's a that, yeah, that's a good. I I've not made it to seventy five. I haven't done that. Yeah, no, me neither. Me yeah, neither. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So there's this big inflation in Burgundy prices. There's this huge auction. It breaks the record. Um, the day after that auction in crew at crew, this guy from the Domaine de Ponsant Vineyard finally has a face to face with Carniolan. So they have lunch together with some other wine people. Uh, Ponsat said he wasn't confrontational. He just asked Kurniawan where he had obtained the, the wines that he was suspicious of. Kurniawan told him that he bought and sold millions of dollars worth of wine and couldn't recall exactly where he bought the potentially counterfeit bottles. Oh, we know. He, would, we, he said, "We know how that story. That's always the, the first little step." Yeah. <laughs> well, we know. I just can't remember. Know, I don't know, man. I do this. I, I left and right. Maybe I got bottles coming. In, I got bottles going out. You know, like I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. So he said he'd check uh, his records when he got back to L.A. and get back to Ponsat. Ah, the last refuge of a scoundrel. Yeah, yeah. He just hightails it back to L.A., just runs away. Um, Ponsat said he wasn't sure 
uh, after this he he didn't know if Kurnia one was a victim or a predator yeah um but everybody is starting to become a little bit skeptical um there he's still getting the empty bottle ship from crew the people at crew are getting sort of suspicious um a bunch of bottles they sent him broke in transit and he got really really mad which they were like confused by yeah yeah um so in 2007 crew stopped sending him empties and they instituted a policy of smashing rare bottles after they were consumed to prevent counterfeiters yeah so they got suspicious and they basically cut off his supply a little bit. That'd be so tight if that was just your job at crew was like, I'm a wine bottle smasher. <laughs> like, Hell yeah, dude. You're just like by far the least classy and like, like <laughs> most like, like underpaid dude there, but you don't care. Yeah. You just just show- a big muscle guy with yeah. like barbed wire tattoos. <laughs> you just, just coming to, to smash bottles. With a, with a bat and they're like, all right, it's in the back. You're like, all right, see you guys in a couple hours. <laughs> just man. Hell yeah. That'd be tight. <laughs> Maybe t- if they're still hiring, I would like to apply for that job. Yeah, uh, I'll look into it. I think they may have closed, but uh, okay. they're here in New York, so I'll, I'll check it out for you. All right. Well, I'll so, just, in the meantime, I'm going to smash a bunch of bottles, keep my game strong. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you gotta, you gotta uh, get in the experience yeah, before gonna, you apply for the job. Freelance, so. but then show up to other bars and smash their yeah. bottles. Yeah. You gotta, yeah, you gotta establish yourself as a free agent, <laughs> um, so they can take notice of you. <laughs> so. Uh, during this time, it's discovered a lot of people didn't know that Kurniawan was also selling privately. Um, so not just through auction houses, he was just selling directly to people. Um, an East Coast collector bought several million dollars worth of old burgundies from him, and they were hundreds of them were later judged to be fakes. So people are like, "Huh, a lot of these fake wines are originating with this guy. I wonder what's happening." Yeah. So. Now the article talks a little bit about how wine counterfeiting can be done. So there's a, a number of ways you can do it. Um, you can take a bottle uh, of like a not super valuable vintage and relabel it as a more valuable vintage. So like you have a 1962 Chateau Lafitte Rothschild, you change it and make it a 1959. It's worth twice as much or something uh, like okay. that. You know, yeah. so you can do that. Yeah. Another thing you can do is you can refill an empty bottle of 59 Lafitte with uh, a mixture of vintages or a lesser vintage or a blend of that wine and another wine that's cheaper. Um, now, like, or how- you can just put something totally different in there if you want. Yeah, so, like, how far down like how far down can you go? Can you get like this like ten thousand right. dollar bottle and you're just like pouring in like the uh you know like Can you like, throw like, yellowtail in there? Yeah, what's, yeah, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, just like yeah, just like Rex Goliath in that bitch. <laughs> like, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, what are we talking here? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So old wines are especially tempting for counterfeiters because they command the highest prices and the fewest people have tasted it. Yeah, there's, so, not, a lot of, there's not a lot of knowledge out there about what it, what it should taste like. What it actually yeah. tastes like, yeah. So there's like written sort of profiles, but like anybody who's ever looked at that and tasted wine knows that that's kind of bullshit. I, yeah, I've heard a lot of that. Uh, I've heard a lot of that, uh, like the... Uh, um, like the wine pairing and stuff like that. I've heard it's like, uh, like, like if you ask the respected people in the field, they're, they're like, that's actually kind of a bullshit science. Like nobody, there's a whole thing of like red meat with red wine and white meat with white wine. But they were like, yeah. essentially the idea that one taste goes with another taste varies so wildly from person to person. that There's no way anybody can have a, 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 any sort of like categorized or catalog knowledge of what works with what and what doesn't. And so I've, yeah. heard, I've heard that like all that entire, like, that entire uh, thought process is kind of bunk in the first place. I've heard that somewhere. 
it's interesting though because like one of the things that people said really helps um Kurniawan is that he did have a really really good palate <clears throat> excuse me get him go so um part like a, a part that i skipped here is that he he's like really really talented at tasting wines like people said he had a photographic aromatic re- uh, memory uh, okay. um he he displayed a keen interest in wine minutiae um so like labels and things like that yeah, like those yeah. details that you need but he also just like he was really good at identifying wines by their taste so he he did have some talent here so he was a good candidate for something like this because he could potentially concoct things that would match the flavor profile of whatever wine he was trying to count oh yeah 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 so yeah he knew he, he knew his stuff he did his homework so you couldn't knock him yeah that. yeah so uh in 2008 uh ponsat dined with kurniawan again in los angeles so this is his follow-up conversation yeah to who sold you the wines and Kurniawan says that a guy named Pak Hendra in Indonesia sold him the wines. So he gives this guy Pak Hendra's name and a phone number from memory. So Ponsat goes back to France. He tries the phone number um, or there's two phone numbers. One doesn't work. One just rang and rang. Then he finds out that Pak Hendra is basically the Indonesian version of Mr. Smith. Yeah, like, Pak like, means j- Mr. Hendra is a super common Indonesian last name. Oh, that's so funny. Is he? What's funny is he had to go back to France to call those numbers. I would just be like, <laughs> I'd be like oh, what's the number? Uh-huh. All right, hold on, hold on, real quick. Beep, cool. Yeah, beep, I'm beep, calling beep, in front beep, of you. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. nothing, buddy. Like, yeah, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in September 2009, Bill Coke, the rich guy, yep. again with his millions filed a lawsuit against Kurniawan alleging that he had sold him counterfeit bottles through Acker Merrill in 2005 and 2006. Uh, Sell in that addition man to all his, the fake wine you want. <laughs> like, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Go for it. Yeah. So he's, he says in his lawsuit that Rudy Kurniawan's real name is Zen Wang Wong, which is a great name. Yeah. Zen Wang Wong. Uh, and that he had defaulted on $8.9 million in loans from the wine auction company. So he's basically saying this guy's a fraud. He was fronted all this money. Uh, We don't know who he really is, you know, all that stuff. So this is when things really start to escalate and an FBI agent gets in touch with the guy who owns the Ponsat Vineyard in Burgundy. <laughs> what a cool case to get like, cause like, you know, obviously if you're working undercover with narcotics and shit, like I don't, I like to imagine you could dabble a little bit to stop yourself from getting shot. But if you're like cracking like that, like, like the international wine ring, Oh man, yeah. I would just be fucking just, just, just liquored up to the gills every day. You're having a great time. Yeah. You're having a great time. <laughs> Hell yeah. You, you come out so, of, you come out of deep undercover with just like purple ass teeth. <laughs> <They're just> like, <laughs> I'm sorry. They oh, no. made me yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just wasted. Yeah. You got the little, the little wine lips with like the crud in them and shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Excellent. I'm drink wine Excellent job. I have a show at the Mohawk. <laughs> I don't know if they serve wine, but I really want to drink a bunch of wine tonight. Oh, I bet you can get some shitty box wine in a plastic cup at Mohawk. You should yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. Plastic cups of wine, baby. Let's do it. Ask them if they have any burgundy. <laughs> it's just be like, what? <laughs> like, bur- <laughs> oh, I'm trying to talk over the music. Burgundy. Like, no, okay, never mind. Are you doing a show or are you seeing the show? I'm doing the show. Sweet. Yeah, Jared Holly's stand-up showcase, Trouble. Oh, hell yeah. What an exclamation point. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, 
In, on March 6, Kyle Smith, an L.A. wine merchant, talked with Kurniawan by phone. Smith mentioned the controversy and asked if Kurniawan was worried. Dude, Kurniawan replied, <laughs> if I had any concern, I'd be on the next flight home. The FBI didn't give him a chance to pursue that option. Two days later, Wynn and a team of agents arrested Kurniawan at his home in Arcadia. Yeah, never so, mention to the police that you have the ability or the intention to leave the country. <laughs> keep that off the, keep that to yeah. yourself. Yeah. He's like, nah, dude, it's cool. I'd be fleeing the country. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I love the dude. Just yeah. all nice touches. Yeah. I love as, as our generation gets older and older, like so many like shitty things are going to be prefaced by the word dude. <laughs> like, yeah. Just uh, do not age well. Yeah. I'm calling it. Yeah. At some point in our lifetime, our president's going to get impeached. Like not the, the current one, unfortunately, but you know, at some point. Sadly, and, no. Yeah. And he's going to be like, dude, I'm not a crook. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> chill out man yeah, yeah, yeah dude i didn't have sexual relations with that chick <laughs> you know? statement from the president yeah, don't yeah. have a cow man <laughs> so they search his house the fbi searches his house they find what they describe as an elaborate counterfeiting operation so they find thousands of fake labels for wines oh uh, shit Dozens of rubber stamps marked with vintages and winery names, a gadget for inserting corks into bottles, California wines whose labels bore handwritten notes suggesting that they would be passed off as Bordeaux, and dozens of bottles in various stages of being converted into counterfeits. Oh, shit. He had the whole lab. He had a whole lab. So he was living in this multi-million dollar house. The entire house was a lab for converting wine. He lived in one room of it. Uh, he had space heaters in that room because he needed to keep all the wine cold. So he just lived in like a shitty room with space heaters in it and like a mattress on the floor. Oh, and the rest God. of his mansion was for wine, wine counterfeiting. I can Isn't that crazy. Yeah, I can relate to this so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live in a one bedroom apartment that is like a bare bones. I have, a, <laughs> like, I have a couch, a computer desk, and I have, a, like, I, I have like a, a mattress and like. I, I, just, I don't have shit because I mean like I just I don't, I don't ever like I don't host people at my house unfortunately so you don't all the rest of your apartment isn't a uh, criminal enterprise no 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 not at all and uh <laughs> and, and it was, it's just like it's just funny like I have like that little like I I leave the I don't like like have guests over like my girlfriend comes over we make dinner that's about it in my house and yeah. so like and then I just leave to like enter the world and like it's just funny because he goes out and he's in like tailored suits and he's hanging out with like the fucking yeah. the party boy the dumb deaf and blind guys and he's just wild out then he goes home and it's some talented mr ripley shit, yeah he man. sleeps in his little space heaters and just like rocks back and forth praying that his wine operation doesn't go tits up that's yeah man, i i did this just humanized him for me <laughs> <laughs> so they also discover um when they raid him that they, they find out some stuff about his background so he he is from Indonesia. Um, he had been denied political asylum in the United States in 2001. He was ordered to leave the country in 2003 after his appeal was rejected. Um, he never complied. He just stayed in the United States and been living there illegally. Yeah. Um, interestingly, despite this, he was he twice managed to obtain California liquor licenses despite 
not being in the country legally, which is kind of interesting to me. Yeah. If you're rich, you can just do stuff. Yeah, some fucking billionaire is like, he, he took our jobs. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired of these illegal immigrants coming over here and starting wineries. You know, like that's just. <laughs> yeah. I'm sick of it. <laughs> so this was like a huge deal in this community because he was like, not only was he selling them all wines, he was like their pal. Like, yeah, he was, yeah. He was like their little friend. And he, he, lo- if you see him, he, like, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but like, he looks really young. He has like a, a real baby face. He's, yeah. he's kind of chubby. Um, he just looks like a real sweet little boy. And yeah. then he was conning all of them. Oh, man. That's so, like, oh, that's so tight. <laughs> like, I, I, I guess we'll get to that at the end. But, like, you know, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. It, it, you know, We're pretty close to the end here. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So many of his friends and acquaintances were shocked by the allegation that he'd actually been manufacturing counterfeit wines. They were also stunned by the revelations concerning his financial troubles. So they did find out that he had tons and tons of loans. Um, so there are some questions here of, uh, he sold $35 million of wine in 2006, but at, and a few months later he was begging for loans. So like what happened to all his money? Was he a con artist from the start or did he turn to wine fraud because he wanted to buy more wine? Yeah. Those who knew Curtio Arm were puzzled by the, by another thing. Could someone who was so disorganized and foolish enough to have been caught with counterfeiting material in his house really have perpetrated a sophisticated multi-million dollar scam on his own? Oh uh, yeah. So this is where things get interesting. And I don't have a lot of information on this. There's more in the documentary on Netflix, Sour Grapes, but there's some evidence that he might be involved in some Indonesian organized crime. And he was actually the front for this because he knew so much about wine and had such a good palate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's like their little fucking, uh, he's like their Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. And they got him. They got Gus fringed up in the laundromat. Okay. All right. Right. Yeah. Like, so like there's some stuff with his mom and like his family, his brothers. He's related to some famous bank robbers in Indonesia. So like, see, that's what I was gonna. A- some- I was gonna ask him. If, 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 sorry to interrupt, but like I, like I, like I understand like being like okay, he's already rich. He's he's rich. He gets these loans. He buys his wine. He sells his wine. But it's like, where does it start? You know, like where's like where, yeah. where where's the basis that allowed him to get this fucking thirty five million dollars in loans or whatever it was that he got? You know, it's right. like they don't they don't just give that out. Like it's not. It's like where's the where's the base like if you keep pulling that 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 thread what like what eventually was the 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 reason they fucked with them you know like in the first place yeah and it's it's kind of unclear um so one second i have to look up exactly because i can't remember but viewers if you have the information to this international caper tweet us you know (laughs) yeah so he uh he does end up going to jail but there's not a lot of investigation into how far this went beyond him. So, um, I like uh, to, I like to imagine that when he was in jail, uh, he was just making toilet wine and like selling it to people, but saying it was better toilet wine. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah." (laughs) Like it's made from the finest fruit salad. Like, uh, the finest yeast packets that the state of California can buy. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, December 18th, 2013, the jury found him guilty. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Um, he is serving a sentence in uh, Taft, California. 
he with good behavior he should get out uh in early 2021 so he is in prison um he his friends were were shocked by this um yeah a federal grand jury in new york indicted kurniawan the indictment described in greater detail his alleged method. So it says he was refilling empty bottles he collected with blends made from lesser wines. Um, <laughs> Those guys are he, never he taking would, a, they're never taking a chance at a minority ever again. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Yeah. They're like, like no. that was the last non white guy we were letting in. <laughs> it's interesting in the documentary, they talk about how like a lot of the burgeoning, super upmarket wine market is actually in hong kong now and in china oh yeah so fucking they're like uh, like on the precipice of being like you know well they are an economic world powerhouse but they're definitely right their their citizenry is like definitely coming into it too like it's pretty interesting right they're like because that's like this it's getting trendy among the super rich people there now too so um yeah so he basically he would work he would get uh import sort of lesser French wine from companies um, who would like sort of private label wine for him and stuff like that. Um, and he would mix them and, uh, and make fake wines out of that. So uh, Ponsot, the guy who owns the vineyard says, I think he had a certain respect for the product. Uh, he said, you might say he's a gentleman thief. So, he really wanted to make good forgeries, which yeah, is kind of yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, you got to respect a guy making a good forgery. You know, at least he's... Yeah. That's how, like, I, like, when I worked at the pawn shop... He has a talent. Yeah, yeah. When I worked at the pawn shop, you would see, uh, you know, I got real good at spotting fake purses. Like, I can kind of I yeah. do, do it from across the room now. Pretty cool. But, uh, like, you would see... It's a good skill. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a pretty fun skill if I ever want to be, like, a fucking, like, uh, international... Asshole. Yeah, you ever want to be a <laughs> dick. Yeah. Well, what's, what's crazy is there's times where I've been like, man, I could... Like if I was that type of person, I would judge. I'm not. I could be like, I could totally call this person out for having fake shit. Like if I gave a fuck. Yeah. But like, uh, there you would see some that were just like, okay, I don't even see, know how this fooled you. Look at this. Look at this. But you'd see yeah. some, you'd be like, and you'd be like, God damn, this thing looks real. And you like look and find this I, fake Gucci purse says Gucci on it. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Gucci. But uh, like, <laughs> but like you would see like, well, what you look for is like the stitching and like how uh, evenly spaced it is. Uh, like. Uh, yeah, like and then like uh, when it comes to like a a corner on the bag, um, you know those really like the Gucci and shit like that. They they do like they take the time to make sure that like when it's, it's like three seams running to the corner of the purse that it all fits at the right angle and it looks good. Right. So you see where like seams meet up and like how far away the stitching is and if it looks like if it's not all symmetrical. It's a, it, so that's what you would look for. But you'd see some that were like really fucking good. You'd be like, damn, that's a, the only thing that would give it away. Yeah. You know, would be the quality of the materials. You'd be like, oh, that's not actually real leather though. You can feel right. it. Right. This is made by someone who's really good. They just don't. Yeah. 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 Like Gucci should hire them to yeah. make purses. <laughs> For sure, yeah, yeah. Give that guy a job. So, the, it's interesting because, like, this guy sold so much fake wine that there's there's worries that the market is just permanently compromised now because oh, of how many shit, how much fake wine he sold. Yeah, like, yeah you're talking, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of bottles of wine that are now out yeah. there. Oh man! And so, like, there's there's fears that this, like, they they will never really recover because oh, he poor, sold those, thousands those of bottles of people. fake wine. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's crazy like holy shit it's a global impact like they don't know and i bet you now people are gonna get good at spotting his particular fakes 
Gonna, yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe. I hope so. And also, it'd be interesting if there was a secondary market for those fakes, just because it's a good story. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, I, 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 I bet he probably opened up a little cottage industry there. You know, like of. Uh, Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so this is where the article also says like they're worried that a lot of them will be sold in in Hong Kong yeah. because there's a little less scrutiny there because there's less of a tradition of of wine. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of like wine auctioneering and stuff. Yeah, I can't um, be that mad about uh, Hong Kong being flooded with uh, with with um, uh, knockoff merchandise. I can't. It <laughs> still gets. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, I can't be that mad about that. The irony of that is rich yeah yeah. (laughs) so this is the last paragraph of the vanity fair article and i think it i think it's a nice little ending here so there seems to be little doubt that the fine wine business is awash with fraudulent rarities laurent ponsat recently claimed that 80 percent of pre-1980 burgundies being sold at auction nowadays are fake 80 percent for him 80 percent eight zero yeah for him there appears to be no escaping the problem nor any escaping cardia one in February of this year, there was a dinner in San Francisco featuring Jemaine Ponsant's wines. Ponsant attended and helped decant the bottles. As he prepared to open a 1971 Ponsant Claude de la Roche, he noticed a small sticker at the base of the bottle. It bore the initials RK. Uh, the end. <laughs> I got you, bitch. Pretty good, right? Yeah, that's so tight. Oh, man. Rudy, Rudy, you you little rapscallion, you know? I, yeah. I, I had to say is it worth it like I, i'm always when it, when it comes to the, is it worth it or is it worth it segment prison time is like always a big factor for me because i'm just like fuck that but however yeah. i mean that doesn't you know that, that that's never stopped people from doing shit before so is it worth it uh yes would i do it no so yeah yeah it's like kind of cool like uh, maybe the question then is is this guy a bad guy yeah ex- yeah you exactly, know exactly like i'm not gonna do this but i don't hate this guy yeah i don't i don't judge him for doing that like you know i, I like I said, you gotta you gotta dig really deep in your box of tricks to make me feel bad for people that are that paid 40 grand for a bottle of wine and it turned out not to be forty thousand dollar wine i'm like oh that's that's crazy because i don't give a shit that that happened to you right <laughs> I, something tells me you'll survive this horrible blow yeah if yeah if for whatever reason there was some guy out there who scraped together who, who knew that he could get a forty thousand dollar bottle of wine and sell it for fifty five thousand dollars and he scraped together every last penny and bought that and then it turned out like the bottom fell out from underneath and it was like oh it's fake then maybe i'd feel sad for that guy but that's not a real thing and that doesn't really happen yeah 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 so yeah definitely he's i don't think he's a bad guy uh i i would like to learn more about his ties to the indonesian mafia that sounds pretty fucking cool yeah i I wish i had more information on it it's definitely like an interesting kind of loose loose end that uh the documentary sort of makes allusion to without really providing any answers so yeah yeah, yeah. very interesting if anybody uh listening has done more research yeah. send it our way if anyone in the, yeah, yeah if anyone out there is in the indonesian mafia tweet us let us know <laughs> yeah let us know <laughs> Wow! Well, hell yeah, Kat. That's a that's a that's a fucking dope story. Um, Thank you. I'm glad my voice held out for the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Hats off to your voice. Uh, <laughs> As I cough up a lot. Yeah, hey, you know what? Hey, that's a, that's your victory lap right there, baby. That's just you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. What that is. Um, uh, this is kind of funny on the in the East Coast of the New England comedy scene. Uh, I can't. 
I'm not going to throw his name out there, but there's a, a comedian who was very active and then went to jail a couple years ago uh, for stealing. I don't know if it was one occasion or over a course of time, but basically stole a bunch of wine from a warehouse. Sick. Uh, and yeah, it, 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 was, it was up in the millions of what he is of what he stole. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, and, and he was a comic. Yes, yeah, a, a straight up like working kind. Co- like me and Gagnon came up. Me and Rob Gagnon came up with the guy. Like like we're like I played yeah. tons of shows with him. Like I'm friends wow. with him on Facebook still. And he just got out of jail for it. And, uh, <laughs> he's pretty open about having to pay like victims restitution and shit. But, uh, Damn. Yeah, yeah, like, like, there's that was, I don't, I don't know, this is like the East Coast. I don't know if he was just like, you know, I don't think he was selling it to collectors. I think it was literally just like, hey, uh, you know, a bottle of wine normally costs 20 bucks. I'll sell it to you for 10 bucks. Da, da, da. You know, yeah. Bada big, bada boom. You know, I think there was a lot of that going on. Yeah, just hustle. Yeah, 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 just a hustle. Just fell off the back of a truck. I got some minks and some cigarettes and some bottles of wine if you want them. You know? For sure. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, damn, Kathy. Yeah, fucking great episode. Thank you for, uh, powering through with hey pat thank you oh uh, you're very welcome uh i don't really have an opportunity to do this and i have a bunch of like on the road sh- not a bunch but some on the road shows oh yeah out. uh if you live around richland washington i am gonna be there for the 22nd to the 24th at joker's comedy club opening up for my good friend john stringer so <laughs> come on yeah that's gonna be fun and then also i if you live in the connecticut region i'm gonna be at ct improv uh for one night only at the on March 23rd uh, and then the tickets are available online and at the door at CT Improv that's S-E-A-T-E-A and so if you're listening to this out there and you, and you want to check out my comedy that's where I'll be and then I'm going to be in Brooklyn for a few nights uh, more information yeah I got you on a show by the way oh cool thank you very much we'll talk I guess we'll talk uh, so come watch come watch Pat at Karma uh, that <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> Oh man, I was just stalling for the dramatic reveal of the date. Um, Karma, what's the Friday you're going to be in New York? Um, that is going to be uh, actually that that is the twenty third. Oh, can you do it? Maybe we'll talk offline about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, to be continued. Yeah. Um, yeah, go see Pat. He's very funny. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool. I, I never like had a quite like I, I'll hear my favorite podcasters be like i'll be here on this date and here on this date and mine's like always in austin so now i'm like oh i got some some other cities so if you're listening you know come check us out i'll be telling i'll be dropping more info in the weeks to come so i'm excited about yeah i have a bunch of shows in austin actually coming up so yeah 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 i'm doing a a spike club with sarah june on february 1st that's gonna be really fun um 11 p.m at the velveta room I'm doing Master Pancakes, um, the second and third, and then the uh, ninth and tenth, or whatever the following weekend is. Uh, I'm doing Punch. I'm doing The Sting. I'm doing Shit's Golden. So check my calendar. Um, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm gonna be on Shit's Golden with you doing Vanilla Presley that night. So oh sweet, yeah, definitely oh, come wait, out no, to no, I- that if you're. Yeah, no, I think that's a February. Are we not? February, I don't know. February 5th. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're so bad at this. Oh, man, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kath. Well, it was uh, it was good talking to you. I hope you feel better. Uh, Thank folks you. Folks out there, remember to, uh, you know, um, check us out on, on Facebook, on Twitter. Follow us. Uh, please like, rate, share, subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, leave some kind words. Write a review. You got any ideas for stuff for shows? Get at us. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. Communication is always open. Uh, but whatever it is you do, guys, remember, above all, don't get caught. Don't get caught. Bye, everybody. Uh, later, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>